What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Warning. The Outsider's Edge contains strong opinions, unconventional views, and contrarian stances. Listen, if you dare. Hey, yo! As we are brought in by the sirens, new theme alert, edit, new theme alert, uh, right? Welcome to the Outsider's Edge. You are listening to, uh, I'm your boy, Rance, aka Ray Cash. Of course, I got Kyle with me. Carl will be jumping in later. He uh, had life stuff to do, but he's coming. And he knew what the first topic was and was just like, I don't watch that shit, so I don't have And look, first and foremost, hi, how are you? I'm wonderful, and you're beautiful, and I love your children. Thank you. That was really unnecessarily sweet. And I love you as well, and your dog child. How about that? I will always take compliments for my dog, so that's fine. There you go. I want to shout out one of my really good friends, my brother, Demo the Great. He released a song called Triggered. Go catch it, Apple Music, Google Play, YouTube, all that stuff. Um, it's a very personal story to him, but the beat, I I asked him if we could use it for the intro. He was gracious enough to send me the instrumental. We cut it, and we got a new intro, y'all. We are personally branded. So uh, go Outsider's Edge. Whoop, whoop. Yeah, and uh, it's a really fire theme, and it's a really fire song, so y'all should definitely check it out. Shout out to my boy. I appreciate that. Uh, very happy about that, and I hate that. Uh, we had to debut the new shit and bring people into the new house, and then we got to talk some fuck shit. But such. I as mean, it. like that's kind of our whole show, though, isn't it? Our aesthetic is that we have to shed light on the fuck shit. And I mean, dog. as long as Cody Rhodes breathes, there'll be fuck shit to talk about. That man ain't called Cody to me. He's that's Garrett fucking Reynolds, dog. I need you to understand. I had a format. I had a list. I texted everybody early. I had a fucking list of shit to talk about, and then I had to go and watch Dynamite Wednesday night, and I scrapped all that shit. You ever seen those those videos of people like riding the pad and then like they tear a piece of paper up and they throw it in the trash and keep? That was me because Cody fucked all my. Sh- I'm sorry, Garrett fucked all my shit up. Uh, all right, let's get into this because I want to be done with AW. I did not, for the record, we didn't plan on talking AW tonight. We did none of the topics we had tonight were AEW positive nor negative. We were talking other shit. Nonetheless, if you watched AEW Dynamite this past week, there were some really good things per usual, and there was a lot of fuck shit per usual. But the fuck shit was extra fuck shitty. 
Do you want let's to start with Cody this. or end with Cody? Well, let's end with Cody and let's, in the interest of fairness, let's throw out the good things first. Okay. So the good things, the good things. The opening match was really good. Like the Yuji Nagata versus John Moxley, that was fun. I don't like. I didn't like um, Wild Thing for Moxley, not because I didn't like what they were doing, but yeah. the tone of the song and the pacing of the song doesn't, doesn't really fit. Him. fit. Yeah. But like, uh, but I get it, and I understand what they were doing, and it was cool, and the match was really good. So like, I have no beef with that. Um, and I I explained to you the significance of Wild Thing to Moxley, Atushi Omita. Yeah. That, who is one of, if not his his hero? That was that's his theme song. So it was kind of an homage, especially with Nagata coming to America first time on TNT in twenty three years. Mm-hmm. That whole first twenty five minutes was great. The match that was fun. Was the reverence they treated Nagata with. Um, it was really really beautiful to see Moxley give all the respect after the match. It's really it was that was a really so good was really uh, thirty good. minutes. Yeah. So that was really good. Yep. Um. The tag match itself was good. I don't like the Young Bucks as people, but the tag match itself was a good match. Agreed. And, and I hate blood. I, I don't see the need for it anymore, but the blood added to the match. Yeah. So, like, that was good. And, you know, love Miro or hate Miro, I love that Darby Allen is no longer the TNT champion. So, like... I know... And for win. the record, I know how you feel about Darby, and this is... This, this, this statement is... Devoid of personal bias, just speaking on the level, Darby continues to show why he's the their best homegrown star, because he gave Miro a fantastic match with the guys that he was hurt from last week. He gave Miro a great match, and right Darby person is over. Darby is over. I will be the first yeah. to admit that Darby is yeah. over. Darby is not for me, and I'm yeah. not. I'm I'm not into it. But Darby is over. Like I I will not sit here and shit on them for pushing Darby because I understand why they do it. I totally see that people are really, really into it. I think he's a creep as a person and I'm not into his gimmick at all. So, like, I got nothing for him. There was a spot in the match where Sting kept wanting to stop the match and Darby looked over with, like, these puppy dog eyes and Sting was like, and he threw his fist out like, don't do it. And, uh, like, that, so... The, those are the moments you we got on them last week for horrible camera work. Those are the moments where you want to get the camera right and they got it right. And that really kind of showed and portrayed the emotion of the match. Darby basically knowing that he was a lamb going to the slaughter. And finally, in our things that I think are good, regardless of how you feel about the finish itself, I like Orange Cassidy continuing to get a push. Because we mm-hmm. were just talking about homegrown stars. He's another yep. one. Like, yep. we got to give AEW a lot of credit for this. You know, we can go down and we can list a number of them. You got MJF, you've got Darby, mm-hmm. you've got mm-hmm. Cassidy, you've got Hangman. Like, Jungle they Boy. have a lot of really over people that they have really cultivated and created. And yep. they deserve tons and tons of credit for that. So, like, yep. I want to put all of that out there because inevitably, you know, we down. got those assholes out there in that. Oh, what were what were we told to call it? The elite defense unit. That that is a better that is a better it name. It is a better name. It is a better name. So like, we'll call them by their proper name. 
Uh, we, we know that there are going to be those assholes out there who are just like, all they do is bash AEW. They never give AEW credit for anything. Oh, everybody hates them. You just gave AEW credit for a lot of things. They did a lot of really good things on Dynamite. They also did some typical fuck shit that y'all are going to let them slide on. So I want to break it down into kind of three things that I found problems with. Um, the first thing I want to talk about is the entire segment with the pinnacle and with the in, in the inner circle. What happened to Blood and Guts being a, a feud ender and War Games being a blow-off? So, well, just goes to show you Cody full of shit. But Jericho warned us. Jericho gave us a spoiler. He said this at the end of it. They wanted the stadium stampede. I don't care. That's fine. But the problem I have with the number one is a, a beer truck. Like, I get it. I get it. it's been a long time, but that is so iconic. Like, we really going to really do that? But the bigger issue, Kyle, help me understand, okay? Okay. Because in the canon of the two hours of Dynamite from 7 p.m. Central Time to 9 p.m. Central Time, what happens in those two hours is supposed to be canon and real under the guise of the storylines of All Elite Wrestling Incorporated. Am I correct? Uh, yeah. Didn't Jericho just fall off a 20-foot cage? I mean, that's what, you know, we all saw with the, the questionable camera angles and all. Why is he walking? Because this is All Friends Wrestling, where no lessons are learned and the points don't matter. Not the points. The bumps don't matter, clearly. Because this man, clearly they, um, di- look. Elite defense unit. If you needed a, if you needed any proof to know that the spot was bullshit, they just completely acted like it didn't exist. The man should be in a wheelchair, but he's walking, not not even gingerly, like walking fine. And he's gonna wrestle in two weeks. What? That's some super Gargano shit. That's some that's some take a crowbar to the ring. Uh. Hey, even Gargano gets takes a pin every now and then, like that. No, no, that's not Jesus what I meant. I meant, I meant standing back up after you know being killed. Dog, like I, I just, and I'm gonna keep it a buck with you. I was half sleep for that whole entire segment, and I woke up and I see Sammy shooting the bubbly, and I see Jericho walking around, and I'm like, no, I didn't just see that shit. So I rewinded, and this motherfucker's walking around. He almost died last week. But I guess they even they knew we fucked up, bro. Just don't don't even don't even make that shit cannon. Just wrap his arm up so it looks like he's hurt. We'll keep it moving. Like what? <laughs> it's oh, that's just it's laughable. So that's one. We ain't got to spend no time on that. Part two. Their timing is horrible, and I'm explain why. The two, biggest, the two biggest points of the night were we spoke about Miro and Darby and Miro won, which was the right move. And the second he wins the match, Scorpio Sky and Ethan Page run out, jump Sting, and then the Dark Order runs out, and you get no video of Miro celebrating the title win. This is the biggest win in the, the main event of the night, and your mind is diverted Top seventeen well, other people because Dark Order got twenty biggest, people in it, and it's easily Miro's biggest win since joining the company. 
it's I just so I I don't understand why they didn't give me that didn't need to happen. That didn't need to happen at that moment. And then let's go further. They I I I hate when you I hate when I understand AEW has to do it more than WWE or any other company because they only have four pay-per-views a year or five. But I hate when you end major storylines or you blow off major storylines before you get to a pay-per-view when you can make it to the pay-per-view. It's one thing if you can't. But if you can make it to the pay-per-view, do it on the pay-per-view. SCU has been running this months-long gimmick that if they ever lose again, they're going to be done as a team, and Daniels is probably going to retire. And they have been winning every match since they started that. They finally get to the night, or Dynamite night, Wednesday. They're facing the Bucks. We put we get the big video package about how on the road it was Scorp, it was Daniels, it was Kazarian, it was Nick, and it was Matt. They were the best friends that could ever be. They went everywhere together. And then the Bucks all of a sudden saw their old friends from back in the gap and forgot who they were and went back to being this, that, and the other. And the story was there. And we, Kazarian was like, you know who we are and what we can do when we're not motivated. Imagine how motivated we are tonight. Boom. Match comes out. You said it yourself. Really good match. Fun match. Of course, the Bucks have to win. They win, they hit the BTE trigger on Daniels, and he's a bloody mess. They pin him as Kazarian is trying to run in to stop it. One, two, three, match over. SCU, one of one of the linchpin teams in AEW history. And if you think about wrestling history, bad influence in, in, in TNA. Bad influence, man. SCU and Apple Get this saying, man an that team goes back 15 years. After the match is over, you would think that they that they, they would get a minute or two to play out the drama of this legendary tag team being broke up, right? Nope. They cut to the back and Moxley and, 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 and Moxley and Eddie Kingston are destroying their locker room. And then they cut back. And I, I don't mean just cut back like after some seconds. I mean they're gone for a minute. And they come back and you see like one shot of Kaz and Daniels hugging. And then they go to commercial. That seems like time mismanagement. Well, this is time, time mismanagement number one and not understanding what's important. My, I, get, I get what you're trying to do. Moxley and Eddie are chasing down the elite. I get it. I get it. But you're only going to break them up once. They're not getting back together. Daniels might not never wrestle again. Mox, you could have done yeah, that later on in the night. Yes. You could have done that later on in the night with Moxley and Kingston. So it's just, it's disrespectful to Kazarian and Daniels. And it's indicative of them as a company that for all the good shit they get right, they have, they'll go out there and have a banger of a match and they fuck up the end. Every and time. That, speaking of fucking up the end, Oh, God. That brings us to, like, you know, we were all laughing at the... Motherfucker. We were all laughing at the Deadspin article title from a couple weeks ago because we were just like, damn, this is, like, hyperbolic as fuck. But, like, nah, dog, 
Cody Rhodes needs to fuck off more than anyone has ever fucked off in the history of fucking off. When I saw that article, I legit asked, did I write that? Legitimately, people were literally hitting me up like, did you change your name? Do you work for Deadspin now? <laughs> um, yeah, I, I low-key hate that dude. I don't like using the word hate, but I cannot stand that motherfucker. So, like, this dude comes out. This, this motherfucker comes out. And he starts this promo with the typical jingoism. Which, like, but like, all right, all right, you know, you're playing into wrestling tropes and you're down in Florida with a bunch of MAGA people probably in the crowd because, like, you know, you got them chanting USA and shit. Cause it's get, yeah, because it's easy to get Florida people fired up, um, especially because this is easy. This is easy, Murica, because Anthony Agogo is British. So, like, you know, Britain versus Murica is easy, easy bait. So you got even, the crowd even though they're our best friends, right? Even though they're our biggest ally now. Oh, bruh, I know. I get you. I get you. But like, so he starts with the jingoism, and like, it's whatever. And then he starts. First, he says, "I've never not been proud to be an American." My ears perked up a little bit because I was just like, "Never, never, like, like never, never, like, like, bruh, you from Georgia?" Like, like you from the deep south? What, what? What? Never. Then he kept going, and he starts like, I don't even know what word I want to use to describe the way that he starts describing his unborn child and her mixed race heritage, and I'm just like, dude, this is. Somebody mute this man's microphone, because this is some fucking crazy shit. Man, look. Fuck the dude, bro. Like, man, man, look, man. Fuck that dude, bro. Like, I look. The whole, we knew it was fucked up from get-go, because it didn't come out with this Star Wars esque bullshit, overpriced, overhyped entrance. No, I knew but he was up when again, he was in the ring. But but he once again, he once again, even beyond how fucked up the promo itself was, he once a fucking again just needlessly came out out of fucking nowhere and took up twenty minutes in the middle of this goddamn show. Yep. Yep. Yep, for something that could have been tweeted or it could have been a backstage interview real fast. But you so you talked you talked about it, but I really want the people to understand. We're in 2021. Like we don't need to go back to Hogan versus Sergeant Slaughter. Like like Ivan Koloff is not wrestling right now. Like Nikita Koloff is retired. The Iron Sheik can't walk anymore. We don't need to go back to those days of the domestic hero versus the evil nasty foreigner, especially when the nasty foreigner looks like Anthony Agogo. Yeah, he hot. Well, yes, he's he is an attractive man. Hot, I'm sure you would think. And yeah, yeah, he actually is he's attractive. Yeah. And then 
<laughs> we know we know Kyle's favorite new favorite wrestler. I, I mean, no, 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 not new favorite, but I mean, you know, he's nice to look at. Oh, <laughs> uh, dog, the biracial stuff. So I, I was talking to my boy earlier today. It was so fucking twisted because, like, it, it was out of nowhere. It was so like it was creepy. Did it come off creepy to you? It came off creepy to me. It didn't come off creepy, but it came off as it came off as a guy who thought he was killing it and realized, no, I'm fucking up. And because, and even Brandy came out trying to say that was the greatest thing in the history. I'm so proud. Like both best clapback I saw to that. Best clapback I saw to that. Somebody tweeted back to her. Who the fuck told you this was open mic night, bitch? <laughs> I love clapbacks to fucking Brandy Rose. I, I she I can't stand her either. I love it, but, especially when they use her own words against her because she is awful. But they're trying to. But it feels like it's so. Like I said earlier to somebody, apparently I'm glad to know because I like history and I like learning things. But it's good to know apparently that Cody and Brandy's biracial daughter and Kendall Jenner and Pepsi have cured racism because the way your boy was acting he was acting like because i had sex with my black wife and my baby's gonna be both races that I, we have cured the ills of this country that i'm so proud of and have never not been proud to be an american like it what and then never. you end it all then you end it all by stealing your Yo, father's daddy's nickname nickname do you understand the level of just what the fuck you we have, we've already known that his whole career is basically now at this point dusty cosplay we get that we also understand that he's trying to bastardize the family legacy because he wants to do everything in the name of dream but to get himself over that and that look you look the baby with your mama that's just real that's facts but i got some news for you Kyle ooh i love news I read an article today, um, news article. Tell me more. Well, you know, Tell me more. News article that apparently the reasoning or the belief of the reasoning why Cody is using the American Dream nickname in this feud is because he's been trying to trademark the American Dream. Now, as you guys know, because of the IP when they bought WCW and all the things. Vince owns the name, or WWE owns owns the intellectual property of the, the American Dream, Dusty Rhodes, and that don't that ain't never sat well with Cody. The whole reason why the whole Rose name thing was a big deal for him. So he's been trying to trademark it back, and it hasn't been working. And he stopped putting he stopped he, he he stopped his trademark request a few months ago. The belief is that he's using the name the American Dream in this matchup. To show the trademark court or trademark appellate or whatever you call them, that see, I am the I, I have a right to the name I use it. Much like the only reason he feels he has the right to use Rhodes in a in a in a business standpoint before WWE was because he wrestled a high school tournament with the name Rhodes once. So if all of this, first and foremost, we know you fake now. I, even your diehards, even the elite defense unit, realizes that Cody's fake. And when he gets to the voice of the room and like that, they know that shit's fake. They know that now, right? 
But even then. Oh, yeah. People are already tweeting that. People are already openly tweeting. We are cheering for Anthony Agogo at Double or Nothing. Exactly. Even through that, they understand who Cody is and this, that, and the other, right? But we know he's fake. We know the entire thing was fake. But if you did all that unnecessary bullshit nonsense just to get a trademark, oh, you can go fuck off more than anybody in the history needs to fuck off more than the history of anybody in the history of fucking golf. For real, for real. I mean, I just... That that Deadspin article was super hyperbolic and out of line and simultaneously the realest thing you'll ever read. It was... It was accurate. Like, it really was. Cody is needlessly taking up huge chunks of the show. Like, I am only on board with this match with a go-go if Cody does the job. Do you know who he is? I I'm know. Sorry, bully Ray. I'm still, your, I'm still in your frame, that, bully. But that's the Do problem. You? Yes. That's the problem because, like, this is clearly a moment to make a go-go. Like he gonna take a he gonna take a punch to the stomach, he gonna take a punch to the stomach and 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 gumption the fire of my late daddy the dust the American dweeb Dusty Woods and he's gonna come back and he's gonna he's gonna do a elbow and remember you know my heart is a little big and my belly is a little big. Gonna win with a bionic elbow. Bet money, bet money, bet money. He's gonna win with a bionic. And Rance is gonna have a seizure. Like, look, because we buy every pay-per-view. I'm we're gonna buy Depp or nothing. And I am so I'm on the verge of saying fuck that show. Just for that one spot. Because I want to be the rest of I am ready to get angry again. Every single thing about the card, I'm with it. But that is going to I'm going to lose my mind. If I see if I hear if I hear anything, they can't use Dusty's WWE music, clearly. But if they use any music that ties back to Dusty, if this man comes with... No matter what it is, it'll be better than this shitty-ass music he has now. I don't mind Kingdom. I hate the Snoop Dogg version of Kingdom, though. That's trash. The Snoop oh, Dogg version I'm is trash. I'm here for either love- version of that shit. But, like, man... Uh, I Ooh. swear to God. Cody with the next... With if the neck tattoo out, on his chest and the chest tattoo on his neck. <laughs> Shut up, fool. Shut up. Wait. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh. <laughs> it's so true. It's so true. He's got a neck tattoo Wait. on his chest and a chest tattoo Wait. on his neck. Wait. <laughs> No! <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> oh, dog! This that man is... gonna come out to the pay per view in a white undershirt, some no. jeans, blue jeans, no. and the and and the the, but the uh, you boots. But you want to know how you know Cody ain't think that shit through? And Brandy knew from the get go why this tattoo is trash. Randy was like, we're going to have black children, and you about to pick up our black children with this neck tattoo? They're going to get roasted. Roasted. They don't care. Uh, by the way, did you see during the during the uh, promo 
when he talked about being biracialness and how Shad Khan was immigrating and all this stuff, and they cut to the white man in the Black Lives Matter shirt clapping, like right on cue. Like, what are we doing? I just feel bad for those poor kids because those poor kids' friends are going to mercilessly roast the fuck out of them for their daddy's hideous neck tattoo. Oh my god, dog. His neck tattoo is should be on his chest, and his chest tattoo should be on his neck. I'm done. Nothing else needs to be said. Uh, dog, I swear to God, this man hits the bionic elbow, or he starts <laughs> shimming, or I swear to God, I swear for God, Allah, the God of Shinto, Buddha, Cthulhu, Archimedes, everybody, I swear, I'm going to break my damn TV. You remember when Mick Foley got mad and took his TV out and hit it with the bat? That's going to be me. I'm going to lose my mind. Oh, my God. Oh, shit. McKinley going to come home one weekend talking about, Daddy, did you get a new TV? What happened to the old one? Well, you know, I watched the show, and baby girl, Daddy got real mad. Every now and then I see Sammy Guevara around the city. I'm going to go find him and be like, tell your boss he can suck my dick. <laughs> if he does that shit. Uh, I'm mad thinking about it. And it's two uh, weeks away. Two weeks away. I know. I know. Oh, my God. And Dustin, Dustin and, and Brandy going to be back there like the shills they are. Just like, look here, my brother. Look at my no! Look at this idiot! Oh my god! Mm. But don't worry, but don't worry, Rance. You'll get to catch Brandy and Dustin's reactions on uh, the the Rhodes family's reality show. Oh, uh, uh, Rose and Rosier, <laughs> the Miss, the Miss and Mrs. Remix. Yeah, yeah, Miss and Mrs. Oh, TNT man. version. Dog, they got so sick and tired of doing. Uh, Hunter and Steph cosplay that they did missing Marie. Oh, I told you a couple weeks ago Cody Rhodes is just the Miz. Oh my god, dog. I hate this dude, bro. Like, I really don't like this man. Oh man, like, hey, that's y'all's boy. There's no even good segue away from this, so let's just sidestep and talk about Zelina Vega. Um, You know, fuck it, I feel like we need a commercial. All right. I don't even. I don't even know Let's if we put commercials on the edge. I need a break. We'll take an ad break and then uh, we'll talk about Zelina Vega. <laughs> oh my God! We'll be back. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up zero to one grams of net carbs, five to eleven grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. This bitch motherfucker, dude. If he, I swear to God. I swear. Wait, wait. What if he comes out in black, polka, black and yellow polka dots? Don't make me hang up the call, man. <laughs> I, will throw out a, I will throw up an old outside his edge. I swear to God. Don't do it. He's going to show up in those polka dots and his entrance theme is just going to be somebody hitting a cowbell. (laughs) 
I hate you so much, bro. <laughs> oh my god. It's terrible. So of course it's what's gonna happen. Oh my god. Bro, why? <laughs> he's he's right now he's getting a custom Stetson hat made just for Sunday. Oh my god, fuck it. We ain't taking no break. Just staying in. Just staying in. <laughs> oh my god. Just oh you know how they do uh how they do those uh those roasts like they come and sit you to the roast with like uh-huh. Charlie Sheen. Yeah, 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 yeah. We I'm gonna call Greg and we're gonna do the chair shot roast of Co- of Garrett Runnels, aka Cody Rhodes. And it's just gonna be me trashing them for 45 minutes. Oh, I mean, I just, I, I'm weak. I am weak. You ain't no weaker than you ain't no weaker than Cody Rose in his wrestling game, and who he. I don't, yeah, I don't have a good one. I'm just mad. Fuck that dude. Anyway, Go ahead, man. So, yeah. No, so Vega is apparently back with the WWE, um, and you know, people are probably gonna feel some type of way about that, one way or the other. And for those that don't remember what the whole controversy was, Zelina. Um, when WWE was cracking down on Twitch and Cameo and all of those third-party entities um, <clears throat> that superstars were using as alternate revenue streams, Zelina kind of took a moral stand and was just like, nah, fuck it, I'm gonna keep doing it. And um, eventually ended up, you know, getting released from the company and is now coming back to the company. And I think it's a good, for me anyway, I think it's a good example of two things can be true at once. Like, I think she had a very good point that um, it was kind of fucked up the way that WWE cracked down on those um, alternate revenue streams and the way that they went about it was real fucking dirty. But I also think she kind of overplayed her hand in the sense that, like, I like Zelina and I think Zelina is really valuable and I think Zelina is really cool, but like Zelina doesn't bring enough to be able to get away with taking stands. She's not Charlotte or like Bailey or Paul Heyman. If we're going to just talk managers, like she doesn't have that level of clout. The American fucking dream. France is still on that Cody shit, y'all. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, though. I'm trying. I'm trying very hard to move forward with my life. Zelina Vega. Okay. Fucking Cody Rose. All right. Facts. Both situations are correct. Um, and to give some actual, some, some more credence to what you're saying, Vince didn't want to fire her. She didn't want to leave. But she was the biggest person to raise a fuss about the Twitch cameo thing. But the straw that brought the camel's back was uh, she started OnlyFans after the edict came out. And I was like, okay, I, I have I have to make... I have, Vince was like, I got to put my foot down now. Um, so it makes sense for her coming back because she never wanted to leave in the first place. Um... Would Andrade be gone if Zelina had not been released? No, because Zelina would have did the work for him to show that this man is healthy. So no, I don't think so. 
Um, even though they did split them up before before she got released, they split them up. Um, but she'll probably play a, some type of role with her, with her husband. Uh, who? I don't know can, who that is. Look, I'm already hot about Cody. Don't do that, dog. Not tonight. I'm already hot. I'm already hot. Fucking the American dream. Gonna come out and fucking polka dots, bitch motherfucker. Oh my god. Okay. Dog, look. Fucking cowbells and shit. Oh my god. Okay. However, I'm happy for her. Um, but I think it's interesting to note that I feel like she was let down by her friends. Um, because when she got fired, all the people around her who were raising hell about Twitch and Cameo and all the shit were like, that's fucked up. I can't believe you got fired. I miss you. Mainly Paige. None of the motherfuckers left with her. Everybody was like, oh, that's messed up, but I'm gonna take this check, though. You know? And I, I, I'm not mad at nobody. I'm not spending nobody's money. Arab, them downsides are nice, clearly. Uh, but I think it goes to show that even though the point in principle was correct, it's pretty much much to do about nothing because they're still making money. They're still doing what they want. A lot of them still able to do their Twitch shit just not to get paid for it or use WWE names. So I feel like it was really much to do about nothing. I think it was just a shock of the situation in the moment. Like Cody Rhodes kicking out of the damn liver punch and doing the bionic elbow. You just keep getting me sidetracked on that Cody shit, and I just keep laughing. I mean, you know, speaking of Dusty, Dusty was an older wrestler. You wanted to talk about older wrestlers. What's that all about? I love you trying to journalism. Bro, I'm trying desperately to get you off of this. As much as I love laughing at and shitting on Cody, we did have other topics. We had a whole format. Okay. Let me... Woosai. Alright. Look at me being the professional on the show. Hey, man. Look, it had to happen eventually, right? No, you're quite often. You're quite often professional, sir. Um... Yeah, so there was some controversy about Jeff Hardy this week. Um, so the modern-day Maha, rub your tongue for me real quick. Maharaja. That man, Jinder Mahal, came back to WWE. Well, he's been back, but he made his official Raw re-debut with Indushare. Um, uh, what did they change Rinko's, Rinko's name to? It was something different. It wasn't Rinko anymore. I don't know. This but, was on Raw. Okay, yeah, fair enough. Good point. Uh, but they, Shanky and uh, whatever Wrinkles, Wrinkles' new name is, um, Wrinkles Singh, if you don't know, was the guy who they made Million Dollar Arm about. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, and Jinder looks good. Looks really good. And Jeff Hardy Jinder's was... Jinder's always looked good. That has I've been, been in the ring, too. It was, it, was decent, it was decent squash. But yes, you're right. He's always looked fantastic. Fat, that's factual. I mean, like, he made those steroids work. Hey, man. Hey, allegedly, wink. Um, but yeah, but Jeff Hardy was his uh, opponent, and Jeff Hardy has been his opponent on main event, I think, for a week or two, with with him getting back in the habit of stuff. And it was a fairly quick squash, four or five minutes or so. And all of a sudden, because you know how it, IWC does, anytime my favorite wrestler loses in a way that I don't like them losing, 
We got to stand for my wrestler. Jeff Hardy deserves better. And he's calling his brother right now to come to AEW. And he's just been treated so unfairly. He was in the main event of Elimination Chamber a couple months ago. Like, what are we talking about? So I want to bring up Jeff Hardy and older wrestlers because we need to come to some understanding. And I want to get your opinion on this. Because in the same breath, we want WWE in particular to push the younger stars. To push newer younger stars. And then in the same breath, you want them to use their older stars, but use them correctly. You can't do both because Jeff did what he should be doing at this stage of the game until he has a storyline for him. And that is putting over the younger talent that needs to be pushed. So like, what's the problem? You know, and, and I get, he ain't won a lot of matches in the past a handful of matches, but it's been in major storylines all year, last year, this year. I don't understand what we want. So, you know, as longtime listeners will know, Jeff Hardy is one of my all-time favorite wrestlers. Yeah. Um, I am a Carolina boy, so, you know, I love me some Jeff Hardy. But, like, Jeff's fucking 43 years old and has been active since the mid-90s. Like, His first WWE match, he was officially 15 years old. So, like, I, why are we upset that he's taking L's? That's what, that's what you do at this point. You, you take them L's. Even if he had major storylines right now, other than the occasional steal, wily veteran win, I would still expect him to take L's in these feuds because that's what should be going down. Jeff's a Hall of Famer. Use this Hall of Famer to get these young people over. I, 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 it's funny to say this because wrestling fans are normally, and I, I use this word very carefully, but normally some of the smarter fans out there, and I don't mean smart intelligent-wise, I mean we know about the product a lot. And so with us knowing about the product as much as we claim to know, you don't understand that it's virtually impossible for everybody to win at the same time. Somebody has to lose. Whether that's by pinfall, submission, knockout, or match stoppage, count out, or refs, somebody's got to lose. So you simultaneously want all these new young people and all these people who aren't being utilized the way you want them to, Ricochet, Mustafa Ali, Humberto Cadillo, and Drew Gulak, and Angel Garza, and Grand Metalik, and all these people who went on the show to be used correctly, but you also want the old guys to be used correctly, like Jeff Hardy, but when Jeff Hardy is used and he loses a match that has a purpose for him to lose, we want to ride. Like, somebody got to lose. Somebody has to lose. So, like, put divert your energy elsewhere. I mean, <clears throat> I... I think part of why this happens a lot with WWE is because, at least lately anyway, the match structure has been so repetitive that it, if you see the same matchups happening over and over again and it feels like storylines are treading water, then seeing the same L over and over again might feel... Uh, I don't know. It might hit different, I guess, is all I can think. But, like, I'm with you. 
I agree with your point. I'm just trying to like maybe think of a counter. Yeah, I mean, there's. I mean, I don't want to sit here and just pat myself on the back, but there isn't one because this isn't like he's been losing to the same guy on Raw for 17 weeks, right? This is a brand new experience. In fact, just to to you guys, the people, the fans, y'all had a match earlier where the right guy lost, and it was in a scenario you wanted. You got Cedric Alexander versus Sheldon Benjamin. Sheldon beat Cedric. Cedric should have wiped the floor with Sheldon. But to extend the feud, Shelton won using his wily veteran mindset. So I'm not saying we're going to get a feud between Jeff Hardy and, and Jinder Mahal, but you can't tell me in August or September, Jeff Hardy's not going to be in a, in a feud or fighting for a title or something. He will. It's just you can't, everybody can't win at the same time. Everybody can't be fighting for the same titles or the same importance at the same time. It's not possible. So let Jeff use his star power to put somebody over. Or is it because we don't like Jinder Mahal? Is that is that what it's really about? I mean, you know, we don't necessarily like Jinder Mahal. You like, don't. Whatever. Parse your lips, sir. Hey, in this house and Mr. Irvin's house, we stand the modern day Maharaja. We do not hinder gender. I mean, you know, some people need to be hindered and like gender. Like can Cody? Stand. Like Cody Jinder Rhodes. Can stay in the mid card with Cody. Don't call me Dusty Rhodes. He's my favorite mid carder, right? <laughs> um, shout out to Jinder, though, man. I'm glad to see him back. And if nothing else, we need more diversity on the card. And I don't mean in terms of nationality, I mean, we just need new people. Yeah. You know, the more one, the, on the card is always good. Thank you, sir, for that. Thank you. Uh, uh, that, I'm, yeah, you try to be clever. Actually, this week's Raw was really good because they had a whole lot of different unused, uh, underserved people on the card in major in major spots, and it was really fun. Was Drew was Gulak show. on the show? Drew Gulak's on the show every week. Maybe I'll watch. Drew Gulak's on the show. You didn't see last week when he got the rose kicked up his ass? I mean, he's normally on the show doing comedy things. I just like Drew Gulak. Drew Gulak's fire. And he got new fire music, by the way, if you don't know. Hey, WWE Music on YouTube is releasing all these new themes. And, you know, I know I know a lot of y'all don't seem to like some of these themes, but some of them that's been released are pretty good. Drew Gulak's is really nice. I, I like it a lot. Um, you had a topic you want, you want that you brought up that I think would be a really fun thing to talk about. You want to bring it up? Yeah, so I just was wondering, you know, now that, you know, things are gradually opening up for better or for worse, you know, depending on where you live and how serious people are about getting vaccinated in your area. Um, but, you know, now that things are gradually starting to get better, um, I just wonder if when, with the companies going back to touring and we're going to get back to a semblance of fans in, in buildings, you know, and wrestlers performing in front of crowds the way that, like, nature intended, um, I wonder if that will lead to a corresponding increase in ratings for, you know, wrestling and other sports in general. Um, because, like, I think, you know, we can all agree that while, you know, wrestling and the sports world has done the best that they can and they've made do and they've been able to, you know, provide us with, you know, a product that, like, things are much better in front of, like, actual crowds and, like, real people with real reactions and i just wonder if maybe you know 
having butts in the seats and like the return of like authentic crowd noise and a more authentic experience for the product will lead to an increase in ratings and maybe a change in the booking style. This, no, this, that last part may be, may be real. They, it really may legitimately change some of the ways they book because very clearly some of these feuds they've booked and some of the matches and the ways they've booked these matches were because of the, not full silence, but the relative silence in the Thunderdome. So that's facts. Excuse me. But <clears throat> I think it's been too long. Had this been kind of a quick thing, I think people have been excited to come back immediately, but now people have gotten comfortable with the way things are. People have gotten kind of used to seeing the Thunderdome. A lot of people, there's actually a, um, like a growing sentiment of people wanting to keep the Thunderdome for weekly TV and doing fans for pay-per-views. I don't know how I feel about that yet. But I will say I think that eventually, maybe once people start to see again that, you know, the show looks and feels different, maybe then some, some people will start coming back. You know what I think the Thunderdome does present a good argument for that I have argued in favor of for a little while, especially yeah. in light of, you know, overall declining gates for the last few years, smaller venues. Like, I'm not talking, you know, I'm not talking like, Ring of Honor playing in, like, rinky-dink, teeny-tiny stage venues. But I'm talking, like, you know, instead of seating at the 20,000-seat arena, doing the shows at the 10,000-seat arena. You you might sell out 10,000. You might not sell out 10,000. But if you get 6,000 people in a 10,000-seat arena, that's going to generate a lot more noise, and it's going to be a lot more intimate of a show than a like very empty stadium where you have to pipe in a lot more noise so that brings up a, 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 I like that topic because I actually want to ask you this question clearly yeah. they're going to tour again clearly. yes yes do you think that we have seen the end of house shows as we know it I'm not sure but my honest answer is I hope so because I think that like as much as we enjoy house shows You know, and I think we've both agreed that, like, house shows are the most fun, to be perfectly honest. Like, TV is great, and don't get me wrong, but, like, house shows are the real fun. Um, But as much as that is true, I think we can also admit and acknowledge that in a lot of ways the house show system as it existed was already kind of broken. I agree, but would you care to expound on that? So, for me, it comes down to two things that are really, like, they really go together. The, the two problems go together. The overall problem is too many dates, period. End of story. Too many dates for the wrestlers. That's why we saw so many injuries for so long. Like, people performing that many dates in a year is not good for the body. Basically having to drive themselves from town to town, yeah. Yeah, so that's number one. But number two, going along with the too many dates, because they're touring constantly and because they're touring year-round, they go to pretty much every city pretty much every other year. Even small... Because, like, I live in South Carolina. Outside of Columbia, Greenville, and Charleston, 
everywhere in South Carolina is a small fucking town. And Mm -hmm. they hit, you know, Aiken and Florence and Orangeburg and all of these small-ass towns in South Carolina at least once or twice a year, whether it's the WWE house shows or the NXT loops or whatever, they hitting it every year. And I think that is part of what feeds the declining gates. If I know for a fact that a show's going to come, I don't have to go see it. Mm. Like, there have been times, you know, again, living in Columbia, especially when I was commuting from Columbia to Darlington every day, there were plenty of times when I was just, when there were shows in the area, and I was just like, oh, no, I won't catch this one because I know if I wait a couple of months, there will be a show in a different part of the state that's at a more convenient time for me to go. Mm-hmm. That's and, actually a good point. Yeah, so I think that, you know, the house show system is kind of antiquated and needed to be updated, and I think this is a great opportunity to update it in a lot of ways. Uh, everything you said is valid. The first thing that comes to my mind when I think of house shows is, on, the pro- on a positive note, is it sucks to have to... I know that's where... Of the camaraderie is made, but it sucks with them having to be on the roads and rent their own cars and drive from town to town and not get good sleep and not get good food intake and all this stuff for three four days out the week. But on the on a but on a negative note, you can you can tell certain wrestlers don't they need that to to be polished and to grow um, chemistry and camaraderie. Like Oscar and Rhea Ripley, they don't have any chemistry. Well, if they would have they would have worked the house show loop for two months before they had the WrestleMania match, and they would have had they would have grown that chemistry. We don't get that anymore. So there are positives and negatives. So I think maybe we can come to a a a, a fun and a an amicable middle ground. Maybe one or two big house shows, like you know how they run. They always run MSG once or twice a year, but they run it in a house show because it's too expensive to tape. Maybe you can do that <clears throat> to certain places, but then also too that eliminate the the small guy because you're not gonna go to the small cities you mentioned. You know, like I remember they did a they did a tour. Seth Rollins is from Quad Cities, Iowa, right? And they did a tour and they hit Quad Cities. Um, actually, it, it was the night Dean Ambrose retired. His last not retired, but left uh, when Moxley left the last night of the Shield. They were in Quad Cities. I think they were in Davenport or one of the four. Iowa City, maybe. And, you know, Rollins was like, I know this is my city, but right now this is his night. But I'm thinking they would never go back if they just did big uh, they just did big cities. They just toured Raw and SmackDown. How many small cities do you think they'd really make? Not as many. And I do think there is a happy compromise. I think, you know, we talk about... So if they do 200 dates a year was always a common phrase you would hear you know we do 200 mm-hmm. 200 dates a year all right so if we even cut that by 50 dates that's huge that's huge mileage that you cut off of the body off of the wear and tear you still are providing shows you're still giving that opportunity to hit different places um and you're just not oversaturating. So 
how about this? <clears throat> now we're getting a little fantasy booking ish. But if uh, we know the performance centers in Orlando, and eventually that'll go back to being the proper performance center, because right now it's CWC, based on how they've had to pivot with the pandemic. But would it behoove them to maybe do four around the around the country? Maybe uh, maybe one in uh, the one in Orlando, maybe one around the Stanford area, maybe one in the Midwest, and maybe one in the South or the West Coast or something, so that people can go and they don't have to fly to Orlando to get work in? Or is that just too big of a undertaking? I think. I think it's too big of an undertaking, number one. But number two, I think it would add more to a problem that we talked about in our last show, which is that the company's already too fucking big in terms of, like, people are too far removed from who's making the decisions and things are going on under people's noses that they don't even fucking know about because the company is so fucking huge and so insolent. Like, you know what I'm saying? So if you just add a half a dozen more performance centers. That's just a half a dozen more coaches and blah, blah, blah that are potentially acting like outside of the purview of the company proper. I see what you're saying. Initially, when you were saying that, I was thinking, isn't that a good thing? Because then you get, you give more jobs to people. We talked, we talked about the Mickey James situation a couple of weeks ago and with more performance centers, I'm not saying we should, but with more performance centers, there'll be more opportunities for people like Brian Kendrick or Drew Gulak or people who are on the way out of active wrestling to train and instead to still of, work and get work in. Instead of more performance centers, I would honestly, legitimately rather see them just have more relationships with like good existing schools, you know, places okay. like Monster Factory, shit like that, you know, like... okay. Existing places that are like actually good and they do things the right way and you know they're safe and blah blah blah. Like I would much rather they like provide resources and cultivate partnerships with places that already exist. Okay, that makes sense. Um, well, we're talking all this stuff. We can kind of pivot to NXT because we've had this conversation before, but it's I think it's it's time to have it again. And I think it's the nuance has changed slightly, but uh, there is, and it, it drives me crazy, but the, there's overarching rhetoric that since NXT moved to Tuesdays, a lot of people seem to think that the show has, for lack of a better term, got back on track. Um, the shows have been really good, but then, you know, I'm a, I'm a mark, so they've always been good, but they people feel like the shows have felt different, had a different pacing, had a different level of importance. Um, they've always, uh, advertised matches for the next week, but they've like advertised down to the whole card. Um, you've seen some major stories be built and it brings back the idea. And there was a couple of tweets. One in particular, I remember was somebody saying that NXT started, started fail when all the people who were there decided to stay to hide from the booking of the main roster. And I think that's the, the the tweet you sent me that kind of broached the idea of this topic. So just off top before we go any further, how do you feel about NXT 
And do you feel they've been any different since they've moved to Tuesdays first? And then let's get into the other stuff. I don't think it's so much that they've been different since they've moved to Tuesday. I think, like, my biggest problem with NXT, that, and I think what was about that tweet that resonated with me wasn't so much the part of, like, people hiding from the booking of the main roster as much as it was there are there's a certain contingency of the NXT roster that just like has been there for fucking ever and has done everything mm-hmm. and there's just nothing left for them to do except take up high positions on the card because of who they are and it's just like the magic of NXT during its height, during its peak, mm-hmm. was it was kind of temporary for a lot of people. You know, people it was would formulaic. come. It, not even so much formulaic, but I'm just from the character standpoint, the characters would come. They would be there for you know a few months to you know maybe a year, depending on how long it took them to get their seasoning in and to figure out who their character was and to get used to the WWE style. But regardless, they would stay for a short amount of time and then they would be transitioned away from NXT. And and then the new blood that they continued to sign were cycled in and you got used to new characters and blah, blah, blah. Now you look at people like Johnny Gargano has been in NXT for what? Four or five years now? Probably about five years, yeah. Uh, so, like, him and Ciampa have been there for, like, five years. Adam Cole's been there for, what, two or three? Cole and the Era Boys, they, the Undisputed Era debuted in 2017. Yeah, so that's going on four years. Um, all of it spent in NXT. And in the case of Cole, more so than O'Reilly, because at least with O'Reilly, they're building new tag things. guy. Yeah. He was a tag. He's a tag guy now. He's trans. They're transitioning to the single star that you know. Those of us who were familiar with his ROH work always knew that he was. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the case of Cole, they pushed him as the star from the get go. So like, mm-hmm. Cole's been the North American champion. Cole's been the NXT champion twice. Cole's mm-hmm. uh, won War Games and beat McAfee and done all there is to do. Mm-hmm. And he's still there. And it's just like, all right, what, what's, what is there left for Adam Cole? Why is Adam Cole not on Raw or SmackDown? Is it, is it so much that they're hiding from Vince? Or is it so much that like Vince doesn't know what to do with them? Or is Hunter protecting them? Like, I don't know what the deal is. But like, people like, Cole and Gargano and Ciampa that have been there forever, I feel like in, a, in some ways it holds the roster back from progressing. Because unlike the rest of the roster, they don't get included in the drafts and the shakeups and the blah, blah, blah. And so you don't get to see the people cycle out and it's not fresh. You know, so I think a lot of it is, Hunter, like, NXT is such a weird place, and people have these arguments all the time, because NXT, as, like you said earlier, with something different, is multiple things, it can be multiple things at once. Multiple things can be true. Everything doesn't have to be a monolith, right? 
Yes, yes. Two Switch. things can be true at the same time. Sometimes three. NXT is the developmental system of the WWE. But they're also a touring brand. Se- separately and simultaneously. So, you know, those things can run together and they can stand on their own merits. So, but it's a, it's because it's in that weird place, I feel like Hunter has this agreement and understanding with uh, Vince that he needs people that he can draw with because they tour on their own and they run their own houses. At least they did when they were touring. You know, they and they even started to the point where they had their own takeovers separate from a pay-per-view. Mm-hmm. So then in that case, like... I love all the guys that's coming up. I love your Jake Atlases and Swerve and the hit row. Uh, uh, fantastic. Swerve should, is a champion waiting in, in the making. But, you know, you have these new people that are coming up. But all these people may not be ready to main event a show or to, 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 to be the draws for a show that sells a house, right? But then, you know, people are going to buy. People are going to buy tickets to go see Finn Balor, Adam Cole, John Gargano. Tommaso Ciampa. People are going to go buy tickets for these people. So it's like, in the same breath, that's why you see so many like middle or people middle pe- people who are like in the mid-card, people who aren't even really being used in, the, in uh, NXT, and they're the ones that get called up. Because they don't really matter. Like, Mia Yim got called up, and Dijakovic got called up, and Shane Thorne got called up, and um... What's my boy? Dio Madden got called up. Dio Madden never wrestled on NXT. Like, one time. But these people can move up because you know they're big enough and important enough and good enough to make it work on the main roster. But they're not important enough to NXT where they they can't live without them. So it's a weird dichotomy they're in. Yeah, I mean, I get that. But, like, the issue then becomes, though... So what do you do when you reach a point with someone like, I'm going to use Adam Cole as our recurring example, because at least with Johnny Gargano, they've got the whole Gargano family thing going on right now. And they're like emphasizing more so Indy and Candice and douchebag Austin Theory um, than they are Johnny. Um, But like, in the case of a Cole, you know, what do you do when you've got someone who's been there for four years and done literally everything that there is for him to do and he's really got nothing? Can I can I ask you a question with a question? Yeah. The question? What do you do with Randy Orton? I mean What do you do with what do you do with all these people that's been on the same show forever, you know? I think that's the biggest I think that's the crux of the issue it's truthfully is that we got accustomed to NXT being a certain thing, and then they changed it. So NXT became a brand. But then WWE chooses to treat them like a third brand. Sometimes they choose to treat them like a separate brand. Sometimes they choose to treat them like they're equal to Raw SmackDown. Sometimes they choose to treat them like they're subordinate to Raw SmackDown. But all throughout it, that roster is treated in the same way that the Raw roster is treated and the SmackDown roster is treated. They're just not put in drafts. So... Whereas, and I know it's asinine to think about it, really, if you really go in depth, but Randy Orton showing up with a black, with a blue background or a red background doesn't really change shit, but he does get some different opponents, right? They don't have the luxury of that down to NXT unless you send them to NXT UK or 205. You're not doing that with Adam Cole. 
Uh, but they are essentially becoming and being the third brand. And I think once we, as a fan base, get comfortable with that, maybe it'll be a little better. Maybe, maybe. I think they more so than the Thunderdome will benefit from having people. Oh, yeah, because th- those people are the ones that got so many people over. The people single-handedly yeah. took Adam Rose from being fired to being called up in, like, three weeks. Yeah, like, you don't realize how much they needed full sale until they lost full sale. Yeah, but that's a lot of stuff in life, isn't it? You don't realize yeah, how true. much you need something until it's gone. That's true. Um, that's true. I love my NXT, man, and I think they're fantastic. Shout out to In Your House coming out next month. Um, but, um, yeah, I just, I don't, I don't like this rhetoric that people think that they're languishing and they're not, I know the ratings are what they are, but they're not languishing because of AEW or some entity that made people all of a sudden not like them. I don't know, man. I, I th- a lot of it, uh, there is some truth to the fact though, that people like, a lot of people liked NXT because they felt it was the alternative to WWE. And then when that became a true alternative to WWE and AEW, people were like, oh, fuck NXT. And I, that's, that's bullshit as well to me. No, I mean, I think there's that, but I think there's also this, and I don't think we really talk about this part enough. Nobody ever really knew what the size of the core NXT audience was. That's real. That's real. Like, nobody ever really knew. And, and we still really aren't sure what the exact size of the for real, for real core NXT audience is because they were on the network forever. And, like, that was behind, you know, the wall of corporate, whatever corporate wants to tell you. And all they were going to tell you is how many subscribers they have to the network. Mm-hmm. Not how many of those subscribers were watching NXT. Um, and then it was head-to-head with AEW, so it was like, how much of that is crossover and how much of that is, like, whatever. And so, like, I think only now are you really going to start to have consistent week-to-week, month-to-month, like, idea of this is my core audience. This is the size of my core audience. And, like, I will say this much for the people that are, like, lambasting, oh, woe is the ratings. Um, Yeah, they're not great, but, like, in comparison to other shows, but, like, for USA Network, they will gladly take 600 to 700,000 viewers consistently every week. That is still fine for them. You know, that's a great point you, you, that you're making because we just assumed, and that's another thing that wrestling fans assume that it's, it's like this asinine thing that people assume that, a, that AEW will do the same numbers on any night, you know, and stuff like that. Like, people watch different things on different nights. And so, like, we assume because AEW got a certain number, we assume that, and we know how many people watch wrestling approximately in a week we assume that NXT should do the same numbers you're right maybe the same amount of people aren't the same maybe they should have a different core audience you know uh, that's a great point um and there's also the fact that I know a lot of I know for a fact a lot of people watch NXT 
when it comes online. They don't watch it on TV. I mean, commercials are so annoying to watch. They are. They are. All right, man, let's get out of here on this, man. So I forgot about this. I'm throwing this is last minute into the, in the format, but it's important. We got a pay-per-view this weekend. Oh, shit. There's a pay-per-view this weekend? WrestleMania Backlash. Oh, fuck. That is this weekend. It is. Um, yeah, it's only six matches on the card. They may throw a seventh, but we're going to get out early. So, you know, it's good for everybody. And the matches are actually... Looks like they're 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 booked pretty well. They should be pretty fun, and all of the matches actually matter. That's something you can't say for every pay per view. So let's uh, run it down real quick and just give some predictions, okay? Yeah. Um, we're gonna start our prediction off with a lumberjack match between The Miz and Damian Priest, and I want to say to you, the turn is coming. Miz and Jomo. Are having they're starting to have issues, and the turn is coming. Well, I mean, Damian Priest is gonna win, and Jomo's gonna turn on Miz, and then Jomo's gonna get a push because Jomo is amazing. Part of me wants to pick Miz just because the conventional wisdom is Priest is and should win, but Priest is probably gonna win because of some shenanigans of, from Jomo, which pisses Miz off. You're 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 spot on. Um. We have the WWE Tag Team Championship match between them dirty dogs, Dolph Ziggler and Robert Roode, defending against the Mysterio family, Dominic and Ray. Who you got? I think, oh, God, I'm sorry. I have the hiccups. Um, that was attractive. I know. I'm sorry. Um, I got the Mysterios. I do too. I think that's the most solid pick we can make all night and watch them make Ziggler and Rude win just for some awesome fuck shit. But Ray and Dominic should win. I think it's good for the division. Slowly but surely, you see the tag team divisions building back up. They have more people wrestling. They're getting more time. The Mysterios, I think, will be a fun tag team and it'll be history because we never had a father and son tag team champions together. So that should be fun. Um, yeah. the, the Raw Women's Championship is in a triple threat. We'll be defended in a triple threat match between Rhea Ripley, your champion, Asuka, and The Opportunity, such a dope fucking nickname, such a dope nickname, Charlotte Flair. Who you got? I mean, you know, I want to pick Charlotte, but I'm going to pick Rhea to retain. When in doubt, Pick Charlotte in emergency. Pick Charlotte in need of in need of uh, when you got to break glass. Pick Charlotte, but I'm gonna pick Rhea as well, only because Rhea Ripley versus Charlotte in a singles match is coming, and that's the match that should have that should have done the whole time, and hopefully they find something to do with Oscar soon. <clears throat> I mean, shit, let that, girl take a break. She could probably use about a month or two. You're right. That's fair. Yeah, like, I'm not saying she's got to be gone forever. Excuse me. I'm not saying she's got to be gone forever. I'm just saying give her, like, you know, a couple weeks, a month. Just let her take a break. I just I just need them to give me, and I know this is typical IWC fan conjecture, but give me, and I don't need her to turn heel necessarily, but give me evil, clown face, Muda-esque Oscar, mad at the world, pissed off at everything that's happened to her and just destroying everybody 
And it's not that I even hate the whole gyrating, uh, you know, hip moving Oscar. I don't mind it. It's just we've seen that Oscar for four years now. Let's do something different. Yeah. Um, SmackDown Women's Championship, sir. Bianca Belair defends against Bad Bailey. You got. Again, I got Bianca to retain, but I will forever stand. Ding dong, hello, and please, Bailey, make fun of Michael Cole for the rest of time. The beatdown that Bailey did that Bailey did on Bianca this past SmackDown was absolutely fantastic, and was what she needed because people believe in Bailey; they know who she is. But they needed to see her get one over on Bianca, and Bianca is underrated. So for somebody so young in her in her in her career, she sells like a champ. But yes, Bianca is winning. <clears throat> WWE Championship, sir. Triple Threat match on your beloved Raw brand. You have the almighty WWE Champion Bobby Lashley with MVP. You have the Scottish Warrior and Drew McIntyre and the Monster Among Men. You got Braun Strowman. Three monsters, three behemoths. One match, one winner. Who you got? I still got Lashley. You think Lashley can beat both Drew and Braun at the same time? I mean, fuck Braun, but I think he can beat him, yeah. I think... Bobby retains as well. Although I do believe that we are going to see a singles Lashley versus Strowman match. This feels like the next step. Um, and I feel like Drew needs to take a step away from the main event for a couple of months and do something else and then get back in there around maybe SummerSlam. <clears throat> Sir, now it is time to speak of the best of the best. The head of the table, the tribal chief. My tribal chief, yes. The reigning, defending, undisputed, universal heavyweight champion of the world. Your guy and mine. The big dog, Roman Reigns. The final boss. He is defending that universal championship against, as Mr. Robbins calls him, Zazaro. Who you got? I love Zazaro, but like, I mean, I will never not pick my tribal chief, especially right now. He is white hot. I hope I'm allowed back at the table. You about to pick Zazaro? I hope I'm allowed back at the table. And I hope the tribal chief understands. That I eat at the table that he setteth for me. I I I pray at the altar that he that he layeth for me. However, shenanigans will be afoot with the uncertainty of Jimmy and Jay, with Seth Rollins still floating around. And don't forget you got an angry Hall of Famer that ain't been seen in a month. I feel like Roman Reigns is going to lose the championship here tonight. And I feel like he'll get it back at SummerSlam. But there has never been a better time to give Cesaro a title reign. 
Give him three months. What the fuck? What could happen? What's the worst that could happen? I mean, I'm here for it. I, I will not be upset if I'm wrong. I will not. But how dare you not acknowledge your tribal chief? No, I acknowledge him as everything he says he is and he shows he shows he is. However, a broken clock is right twice a day, bro. So every dog got his day. Cesaro had his day at WrestleMania. Cesaro had his day when he beat Seth a second time. Cesaro's going to end up beating the tribal chief for the championship only temporarily until he gets it back. Uh, yeah, shock, that's I mean, my shock prediction, bro. I mean, I'm here for Cesaro having the title. I am, especially if he can have the title when live crowds are a thing. I would love to hear that that pop. That's why I say to SummerSlam, because they're going to have crowds at SummerSlam. And imagine Cesaro ending the night, coming out as world champ, and Roman coming out to that final boss music to get a championship back. That's going to be a hell of a match. Also, shout out to Jimmy coming back, Jimmy Uso. Shout out to Jimmy versus Jay. And for once, Yo, we're probably going to... Pull some strings and get your girl Naomi back on SmackDown. Right, please. You, you know, you can even throw Lana in there, and she could be like uh, a tribal cousin. Yeah, whatever. Uh, but Jimmy and Jay have the possibility to have the best brother versus brother feud we've seen since Owen versus Brett. Won't last long because, of course, Jimmy got to fall in line. But I think they have a match at SummerSlam. That kind of encompasses all of this. Uh, but just goes to show you, Roman Reigns has the best. Roman Reigns is the son that the entire WWE universe orbits around. Paul Heyman told you that. Well, I mean, yeah, it's all, you know, slowly revolving to Roman versus The Rock eventually. We know it's coming. It's not a matter God of damn. if it's better or when. Who does he face in Dallas? E? I mean, maybe. Maybe he beats Brock again. Who the fuck knows? Yeah, you just... Maybe it's fucking Cody Rhodes, bitch ass. Let's get out of here, man. Um, <laughs> I'm at it's Ray Cash. R-E-Y's and Mysterious. C-A-S-H as in dollars. Carl is at Outsider Curvin. He's supposed to be here tonight. Shit happened. He'll be here next week. Uh, we're, we're at Outsider's Edge CS. Shout out to my boy Demo the Great at Demo the Great T H A Great for the for the intro. Uh, Chair Shot Media. Sports. Yeah. We're part of the Chair Shot Media at Chair Shot Media where you fuck Cody Rhodes. And as always, y'all, we here at the Outsiders Edge are some increasingly older gentlemen doing everything that we can to try to make it out here in this world. And sometimes we're gonna say some things that you know might get you a little bit fired up. Like, like fuck Cody Rhodes. And uh, other times, we're going to say some things that, like, you know, you probably agree with. Like, like fuck Cody Rhodes. But no matter what, we're just out here living our dreams. And you got to respect that. Because if you don't, well, we sure don't give a fuck. Fuck Cody Rhodes. And we give less of a fuck than Cody Rhodes gave when he gave that promo on Wednesday. We'll see y'all next week. Fuck it.
Cody Rhodes.